We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Welcome everyone to the Film Vault. That's Anderson. I'm Brian Bishop, your host. For today, uh, we're going to bring you some reviews of an assigned film, The Assistant, as well as uh, Dumb Money. Big uh, Is that the Big Sexy? I don't know if it's Big Sexy, but it's the movie we saw, as well as a special surprise for you guys. But uh, Anderson, uh, one of us is sick, and for once, it's not me. What's the big surprise? I mean, you didn't mention my big surprise, which I think might be the most interesting thing that I have to talk about tonight, today on the program. I'm bringing a little, a little Louis Theroux to the program. That's right. His name is Louis Theroux, not Thoreau, Theroux. And I've been on a bit of a Louis Theroux jag. Uh, Brian, you and I know him from my Scientology movie. And uh, he's got yes. a bunch of docu-series uh, and documentary uh, specials and whatnot on the old BBC uh, app which the wife and I uh, have indulged in and uh, wow does he have some good stuff and I'm going to be focusing in on a three part mini doc series that was shot over a number of years uh, about the Westboro uh, uh, Baptist Church oh, yeah, he like, lived with them right you were saying he did he did uh, I'm very excited I don't know if yeah, I was talking about that off air if I talked to you about that off air or if that was a little teaser last week but uh, it's probably the most interesting thing that I've seen uh, in the last few weeks, and I'm excited to. Um, it's not necessarily like cinematic, but it is its own thing. It's definitely a documentary. It's definitely worthy of of discussion and and being pointed out to our audience. I think so. It's a little bit like late. Evolved, but I'll, I'll allow it. A little late to the program. The, the most recent one of the three uh, episodes came out in 2019. Uh, so, anyways, more about the most hated family in America uh, later in the program. Uh, Avery, how are you, buddy? Oh, I'm hanging in there. I saw I saw an interesting film, which we'll get to later. Everything uh, apparently is happening later, I guess. So, what do That's we right. do in the interim? <laughs> well, well, we can do a little fan First, we like to hear from the listeners, see what they've seen in the little segment we call the fan fiction, compiled by <laughs> the lovely and talented Mitch Burns. And we should point out, sorry, Avery, but uh, for the listener, yes, we are in separate locations uh, due to Anderson's sickness. But uh, we uh, come to you, as always, with a fresh new hot piping content. Yes. And later, later this week, we'll be doing top five, <coughs> excuse me, top oh. five uh, most anticipated fall winter uh, films, which... The fall still, preview is a, yeah. an annual tradition here. And it's, uh, it's all the, the movies that I get most jacked about. And uh, still not exactly sure how to go about that with uh, the strike and, you know, trying to be, 
you know, solidarity and, and not trying to, you know, help out the, the fuckhead studios, but it's so convoluted. I did research. I was trying to figure out, like, do I only talk about like the truly independent movies, uh, which is apparently what they want, but and a lot of movies have been pushed as well. And we're, we're, we're hoping that the strike is over by the time these come out, they're way down the road. Some of them, I would imagine a lot of Brian's are not until the December and uh, late December as well. So uh, Actually, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Only one December release. Well, I guess that's not technically, a, well, no, the one, I would say one. I'm just thinking of this as a service for our listenership. And, you know, I'm not telling you to pirate if they're still uh, on strike. I think that's wrong either way. But still, I go, are you going to not, you know, keep up to date with uh, important films coming our way? I don't know what to do. I'm trying, oh. you know, I'm trying my best. It's an oh, and I got big. Crisis. I got big announcements, too. I can actually yeah. finally freely oh. talk about the, the cast oh, of yeah. my uh, short film that we'll be shooting in October that is all wrapped into the documentary feature that I'm also shooting and co-directing with our, our friend Mike Carano, um, directing uh, the short that goes with it, and it's all leading towards a narrative feature uh, that we hope to be you know, in production with uh, end of year or early next year. So it's it's all one big giant project uh, a lot has gone into it a lot a lot of elbow grease and rolling up the uh, sleeves and uh, it's it's on its way and i can finally i might as well just do it here enough kicking down the road um i can i can say at least three of the cast members that we uh, have signed on now here we go and we we were very very uh diligent in and getting all of our paperwork in and uh i should be quite clear that shorts short films were never struck they were never a part of the uh, the issue with the strike the strike is all you know aimed at the big studios and the heads of studios and and how they're they're mistreating their writers and their actors and pretty much everyone uh, above and below the line it's just the people that give themselves the giant uh checks and the bonuses and they just skim off the top and it's just the age-old story and we are not that what we are trying to do is tell a story that's quite similar to that and work with some actors who are not attached to uh, a big uh, projects or series that normally uh, they would be, you know, working on, and sure. they have more free time, right? So, go to our uh, our assigned film this week, the assistant. The assistant, that's right. So, uh, let me just say, three of the names that are going to be uh, working with oh, us and uh, a part of our short. And Brian, you might not even know yet. So, same with you, Avery. So, we had a short discussion a few weeks ago where you floated a few names that I might know. So, I'm excited about this. So first, uh, I'll tell you uh, who is playing our young filmmaker in the, in the movie. His name is Dexter. The character's name is Dexter, and he plays a young filmmaker who will be help, uh, helping our lead uh, make this movie. It's a movie about making a movie. It's very, very meta. The whole thing is incredibly meta. Sure. I get confused by all of the different levels and the, the different boy. universes. It's way more than Fable Fox, so, uh, as far as confusing and uh, the meta nature of it. But a kid named Eddie Levy, uh, who some people may know from AP Bio. I've never seen AP Bio. I've seen uh, Eddie Levy, though. My buddy Chris Moran, big fan of uh, AP Bio. We were looking high and low, trying to find the right people to present offers to. And Eddie Levy came across my desk, and I'm like, this kid has all of the uh, qualities that I'm looking for in Dexter. So I'm uh, very excited. If you watch AP Bio, you may know him. Actually, I don't even know his character's name in AP Bio. That's bad on me. However, uh, I do know that many of you will know our next actor that I can say his name now, and that is Keith Coogan. Keith yeah. Coogan, he is uh, probably most famously known for The Dishes Are Done Man. Uh, from uh, He was in both Adventures and Babysitting as well as Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. He was also in Cousins. 
Uh, he was also in Hiding Out, uh, which I loved and watched quite a bit uh, in my in my uh, formative years uh, with John Cryer. And Keith Coogan, I actually had a chance to work with Keith Coogan over 20 years ago now. And we went out for a group of us, small group of us, went out for drinks afterwards. And I got to know him a little bit and got to, I learned that he is just one of those guys. He's like the salt of the earth. He's just totally grounded, down to earth, just such a sweet guy and very, very talented. So I'm very excited to be working with him, to have him on this project. And then finally, uh, a, a character actor with over 200 IMDb credits to his name. His name is John Kapalos. And I think the people listening to this might know John Kapalos best as Carl the janitor in Breakfast Club. The Breakfast yeah. Club. He was Carl the janitor. He also played the oily bohunk in 16 Candles. He's also the sniffing accountant in Seinfeld, uh, where Seinfeld thought that his accountant was doing coke because he was sniffing so much. That's uh, our friend John Kapalos. And he's been John in. John Kapalos is great. He's been in like so many things, and I watched so many reels. I'm on IMDb Pro, just like lurking and searching. You know, that's what you got to do when because cast is like ninety percent of anything that's decent. Sure. And there's so few actors that I could picture as my 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 lead character Ben, because uh, Ben is a very specific character that I wrote many years ago now. And uh, Kapalos was one of like three guys that I think uh, could actually do this thing the way that I have it in my head without a major rewrite. So uh, Kapalos showed some interest early on. His uh, manager said he'd like to talk to uh, somebody about the script. He had some questions. So I had a call just last week with John and uh, it was supposed to be a 10 minute call and we spoke for close to an hour and we were like workshopping things like he's in it. He's All right down to do this and these guys are not making a ton of money this is a very low budget well it's costing close to forty thousand dollars for a one-day shoot but it's still you know low budget compared to what these guys are used to working uh, on they're doing it because they believe in the project they believe in what we're trying to do and they're interested in uh, the nature of of the project so very excited for those three names we're still waiting to uh, cast a couple of the others there's seven um seven roles with multiple lines and then there's a bunch of uh roles with the way i'm structuring it I'm going to have a whole bunch of opportunity for some of the almost background talent, but there won't be because they'll be featured. But I'm going to give a whole lot of uh, my friends that I have uh, made uh, born to act players uh, an opportunity to for various lines. And we'll see what we can get with uh, creative uh, shooting and cutaways and whatnot. So hopefully I didn't bore, bore any, anyone too much. I've just been waiting for a long time to be able to announce because there's so much hard work has gone into this. And uh, if you would like to know more about the project, loadedforbeardoc.com, because a large part of the documentary is going to be about us giving these uh, Born to Act players an opportunity to be on set. Some of them have been on set quite a bit. They're SAG, and they're going to be featured in this for sure. Some of them have never been on a real movie set, so we're going to afford them that opportunity, and I'm very excited. So loadedforbeardoc.com to uh, help out the 501c3 tax write-off, all that stuff. So thank you very much, guys, for allowing me to to say all that exciting very excited yes very excited so. congratulations very anderson keith coogan fantastic capelos love him and i don't know where to leave you but i'm excited to see more of them in this uh in this uh movie in this project yeah eddie levy is an up-and-comer and uh you know it takes we, we have these producer meetings uh weekly producer meetings and chris moran who goes way back he's a friend of mine uh, uh he has been for years now but he goes back to groupers days and he's he always has great ideas, and he's the one who brought me Eddie Levy's name. So it's it's really a group effort. We have people from all over the country who are a part of these um, producers' meetings that I host each week, most Fridays. And it's it's the the amount of 
good work and ideas that come out of there uh, is fantastic. So thanks for everyone who's involved. Thanks for everyone who's been thinking about being involved. Now is a great time to get involved. Your name will be uh, credited on IMDb for both the documentary and the short at this point as we go. So anything you can give, that is much appreciated. All right, AP Bio is what I'm looking up right now. So yes, very exciting. Thank you. Let's keep talking. I'm going to package the deal. I'm going to package it. Love it. Love it. Talking about right. beta test. Let's uh, let's uh, hear what the listeners have seen on the heels of that very exciting info in our uh, fan fiction. little fan fiction compiled by... Oh, jeez. Can you hear me? All right. Now you're, you're back. Was I? Was I, I heard you fine. Okay. Okay. little fan fiction compiled by the Mitch Burns. Devin Miller AZ on Instagram. Dumb money. This was a lot of fun. It's based on a true story movie where the true story only happened two and a half years ago, so everything is fresh and current. They go a little heavy on the specific 2020-2021 soundtrack, but other than that minor complaint, the acting is great and the story is told in a compelling way. Incorporating in several random followers on Reddit uh, of the Reddit page to show how this movement affected others was brilliant. Would definitely recommend, although there's nothing in particular that makes you uh, makes this a you-must-see-it-in-theater movie. Four out of five. This guy, C. Jones, on Instagram, haunting in Venice, to use the parlance of Brian, perfectly fine corn dog. It's a mystery, so it's all about the clues in the case, which are clever enough. Agatha Christie, trophy, uh, trophy emoji, perfectly fine afternoon spent with my parents, though would also be fine seen at home. Dave likes movies on Instagram. I saw the retirement plan and it was less than mediocre. Oh, no. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is completely miscast playing a guy who was supposed to be retirement age when Cage himself is only 59. At one point in the movie, 73 year old Ron Perlman, who plays a bad guy henchman, calls Cage an old guy. <laughs> Kirk Raver on He Facebook. looks fairly old these days. Yeah, but if he's playing a 73 year old. Kirk Raver on Facebook hmm. saw Bo Could is afraid. Bo yeah. is afraid uh, again to see if I could enjoy it more. I enjoyed it so much less the second time. I really don't understand. Oh the no! And lastly, Paul De Paula on Facebook, Shiva baby, so tense it should almost be labeled as a horror movie. Painfully awkward, but in a good way. The characters and writing were great. Yeah, I disagree right. with the assertion about the horror film, but yes, uh, I, I see what you're saying. Definitely uh, uh, on edge on this one that uh, thinks it'd fall apart any second. Anderson. Yes. I saw a movie. Yeah, okay, what'd you see? Because you told me I'd be excited. I I'm got, excited to hear. I got Dusty. It said movie mm. several times. Mm. It's one of your favorites. What? what is it? Fuck Tanzania. Oh, yeah. Hell Yes. <laughs> Dinner in America has been seen by Avery. The world is a better place for it. Fucking great. I was not sure the first like 10 to 15 minutes. Me too. Me too, I, dude. I'm like, they're going too hard. Yeah. I'm not buying this punk rock aesthetic. They're, they're trying too hard. And then it found its groove. I, I, and I, I, or I just accepted. Yeah, I didn't like the main character. I didn't really get what was going on. And then it hits its stride. And God damn it, did they get me. Tremendous. It's so, it's, and, it, and and the fact that a movie that goofy could actually get you choked up with the and and here just one more thing to make you just frustrated with Brian, very uh, frustrated. He liked the movie for the most part. He liked it in America. He did not enjoy the song. He thought the song kind of brought it down a peg. Yeah, what? crazy. Was, well, maybe I got to revisit. That's the emotional core of the goddamn. And I'm sure you talked about this when this came out. How it's actually the actress singing it. I could tell that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, she was great. And she was playing somebody on the spectrum. I think they never came out and said it, but I mean, I, she was on the on the spectrum. I think she had a little autism going. But you talk about and, her, uh, her the, the filmmaker, they wrote that in half a day and she sang it. Yeah, I, I, I remember reading about all of that. And uh, I remember hearing that song just this morning because I hear it pretty much every morning. It's on my shower playlist and it just puts me in a good mood. It's so good. Oh, it's oh. so it, yeah. It, it was it was one of those unexpected dusty moments because normally I can feel it coming on. Yeah, and and they're asking you for it. I don't even know if they're really asking. I don't, I don't think they, I'm not were. sure they were. I think they just earned it by a mistake because it was just such such a lovely couple yeah, at the it, end it, of the day. They, I, they, they, I think they really got me when they were both in the car. I think leaving, talking to his parents, and she says something about herself, and he's like, "Never call yourself that." And that, yes. and that uh, got me. Got me. I need to watch this again immediately. Dust. I need to just. How are you not uh, watching it every day? I know. I wish I lived in a world where I could I could watch it every day. I know that's a, a similar to one of the questions that we're, we got a boatload of questions on our Patreon, which we will be doing a Q&A for our bonus Patreon episode uh, this month, which we'll be doing here in the next week or so. Good. Uh, over, so that's over, exciting. Overdue. And, uh, overdue. Indeed. For the uh, the listeners who have not seen it, have not taken the plunge, uh, it is available on Hulu. Yes, Dinner in America. It's my favorite movie since A Ghost Story. They couldn't be more different, those two movies. That's true. Uh, but they're both as impactful uh, to me as just great watches. Uh, they're, they're two of my favorite film going film watching experiences in the last 10 years i absolutely as as soon as that one was done dinner in america i'm like all right i know what my favorite movie is of the year and it was early it was like march or something i'm like nothing's gonna touch this thing like, and nothing did like it's just it's so good yeah wow. i can't Beta test. i cannot uh overstate how delighted i was and i how much i would recommend hanging in there if you start it and if the first 10 to 15 minutes don't win you over you're thinking what the fuck am i watching i think it's definitely definitely worth sticking in there <laughs> And it's one of those ones, yeah, the first 10 minutes for sure, but then once you get the vibe, once you watch it, once you you realize how great it is, you go back, because I've seen it three, maybe four times, maybe more, I don't know, but like that first 10 minutes sings just like the rest of it. You just weren't really sure what you were watching at that point, but I mean, it's great when he's like getting screwed over by the guy that runs the uh, the, the testing center and <laughs> the, the music going with the opening credits. It's just, it all, it all works. It all works. Uh, oh, I love it. She's such a delight. She's such a sweetheart. Maybe can we wrap it. this? Can we wrap this up so I can go inside and watch it right now? It's it's punk rock Napoleon Dynamite. It's R rated punk rock Napoleon Dynamite with Napoleon Dynamite's got a lot of heart, but this this thing uh, is just it sings. And just put it on right now on your laptop. No one will know the difference. Fuck! I cannot. Yeah, believe, my computer will. I cannot believe Brian thought the low point was the song. No, it's not yeah, true. I, I just didn't love the song. No, you you at the point I, I, at one what? point said it's kind of the worst part of the movie. I it did? Was, no. Yeah, and. And I get angry every every morning when I when the song comes on. Initially, I get angry because I think of you, and then I just let the song wash over me, and I'm happy. Well, it's, know, it's, water it's, for know that I've heard it about uh, nine times uh, since the last time we recorded. So yes, it's on. It's on. Uh, it's on Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. So it's quite easy to access. So once you, it's just too short. That's the problem. It's a very short song, but uh, oh, it's fucking. It's great. And there's some great reveals in there too, right? Yes, it, it definitely keeps you guessing. I did yeah, not no, know where this was going, how it was unfolding. I don't want to say it's tense, but it keeps you sort of guessing and, yeah, excited to see what's going to come next. Invested for sure, yeah. I still need to see that, that director's uh, first film, which uh, was was panned, uh, <laughs> but uh, and apparently it's like a really tough watch. 
in a in a gruesome way apparently so oh. I, I still need to sit down and watch uh, that uh, the bullies were great it was it was just enjoyable and speaking of movies that are great to watch and fun to watch and Avery I don't know where you land on this one but Brian I have some very exciting news for you and Let's hopefully you're available to watch this with our uh, watch along gang that we do once a month uh, but I have a movie pulled for us to be watching along with everybody and it's a movie you have not seen yet but you absolutely should see and I'm very excited to announce it right now Malignant Malignant oh, yeah, will be watched oh, I've not seen it Oh, malignant. Hey, Avery, maybe you should hang out and, and hop on the uh, the feed and watch it with us. It's such a fun watch. And it's the type of movie where you're just like, what the fuck am I watching? Why do people like this? This is not good. This is hokey as shit. And then you s- realize where James Wan is taking it. And it's like, oh, 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 oh. And I think Brian's going to get an extra kick out of it and will for the rest of his life. Malignant. Malignant's a movie that's made for you, Brian, in, in a very specific way. Malignant. 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 Oh, I can't wait to watch. Now, uh, we should have probably talked about this off air before, but uh, are you available this Sunday? You want to watch a little Malignant? Uh, I have dinner plans, but hopefully, you oh, know, there's Jesus being a no, Let me listen to this. Uh, this uh, watch will only be a nice excuse to get out of it. Mm. Fantastic. All right, let's let's say uh, right now. Uh, uh, run that by the boss. Malignant, 6 o'clock Sunday. 6 o'clock PDT. How about that? Maybe. All right, let's, uh, let's, talk, let's talk movies. Movies. Oh, movies. we're gonna talk about movies. Yeah, we were assigned a film. We should probably uh, wait. Do we want to talk about that? Or well, dumb money got brought up. Should we talk about that? Yeah, let's let's, let's just do dumb money. Yeah, dumb let's, it's the big money. The big sexy. The new release. It's uh, kind of limited right now. It's only playing in a few theaters out here. Oh, serious? Oh shit! Well, I saw it at my theater. So lucky me. Twenty twenty three film directed by Craig Gillespie. Uh, he the director of I Tonya, Tonya, I Tonya. And uh, Cruella, which you still have not seen, right? Oh, I saw Cruella. You, you forced that upon me. Cruella's fun. High in the yeah. fun scale. Uh, starring mm. Paul Dano, Pete Davidson, Seth Rogen, America Ferrara, Nick Offerman, Anthony Ramos, Ramos, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Sebastian Stan, and Dane DeHaan. With way too small a role, if you ask me. Way too small, but he crushed what he had. Yeah, the, the guy was like... I kept waiting for that to be a much bigger part of the movie. So I'm like, Dana Han's awesome. And sadly, I don't want him to go the, the way of Nicky Cat, where like he's great, but like all of a sudden his roles are getting smaller and smaller and few and farther in between. I really enjoyed that uh, Dana Han. I do as well, Brian. I'm glad that you appreciate him the same way that I do. He's, he's like a young uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in a lot of ways. And he's great. We loved him in Valerium. He was great in that. Has he had anything yeah. recently that was a meaty role? It feels like he hasn't had anything been like a lead in like seven years. I can't let's, think let's, of anything since Valerian. That was a yeah. That was the last. Right? Was did he disappear into some TV there for a minute? Let's uh, we'll get to it. Did you say Clancy Brown? Ah, uh, no, I did not mention Clancy Brown. I'm sorry. Clancy Clancy Brown is also he, he plays has a the, bigger uh, role the father. Today, he's yeah. he's the father of D- D- Paul Dano. 86% Ron Tomatoes. Uh, Gosh, this is in darn it. Limited, so you guys uh, can all hear me. Uh, they just dropped off. This is I got you. Fury. I got you. I got you. All right. Well, could you hear me that whole time? Because yeah. I know that yeah, yes. what I'm getting. You were talking about Clancy Brown. Oh, he was an, he was an Oppenheimer, Mr. Dana. Dana DeHaan. DeHaan, I mean. DeHaan, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Isn't he a... He's an investigator or he's a congressman or something? He was He was a weasel. A little Weasley <sighs> yeah, bastard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he's been in a... Small role. 
some stuff we haven't we haven't seen the stranger and uh the staircase they did a miniseries which was superfluous because the uh, the original docuseries about the staircase was fascinating about that guy that may or may not have killed his wife mm. the staircase that was one of the first miniseries docu miniseries that i ever watched was the staircase and it was so good i'm sure it's been eclipsed now with all the the new ones that have come out but the staircase was just like a did he do it did he not do it and you just had to watch the next one because uh it, fantastic anyhow dumb money let's in theaters now uh, like anderson yeah. said limited release uh anderson did you go to my theater to see it i had to come out to your theater oh, yeah you didn't tell me why would i do that i could have met you there hmm socially again why would i do that uh all right dumb money dumb money uh, dumb money. I liked the story. I was familiar with the story as most of us were because it just happened and we we're all sitting at home uh, watch, uh, during COVID while, while it was going down. This I really is liked- what we should tell the audience if they don't know. This is a uh, fictionalization. Well, I mean, it's a dramatization of the GameStop meme stock uh, event. Uh, I don't know what we would call it, news story. Uh, the takeover, yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, literally, I think it was 2020. And uh, as it depicted in the film, and uh, it is the, the rise of Robin Hood uh, was a big part of it, and it was where the little guys all band together and uh, tried to do the short squeeze and and fuck over the the, the big uh, money makers, the hedge fund, uh, <coughs> the hedge funds that were betting against their beloved game stock, and it all started with Kitty, right? What was his name? Roar, Frisky Roar Kitty. Kitty. Kitty Roar. Yeah, Kitty Roar. Yeah, played by Paul Dano. Dano. And uh, it was a, a wild ride up and down, back and forth. And, you know, I was watching all that happening. I even had uh, some stocks that I diamond handed just because, you know, just like very small amounts. But it was fun to be a part of it, which I normally don't get a part of things like that, Brian. But I'm like, oh, what the fuck? What else are you going to do? It's, it's COVID. Um, but I didn't follow it along to the point where I knew the, this Roar Kitty. And that was all fun and interesting. I had big problems with this movie, though. Yeah, this movie is an example, I for me at least, of good but flawed. Like this movie, movie succeeds in, in spite of itself. I would have liked it a lot uh, more if it was better. You yeah, know? <laughs> agreed. And Avery, you know, we talked off the air, I think, last week, that you were actually nervous as a Reddit user yourself uh, that uh, this might uh, not quite get, cr- grasp the uh, ethos of uh, Reddit. Yeah, or be a did? little too try hard or maybe a little oh, cringy you with its attempts. I did, I did not. Uh, okay. I followed it all very closely as it was happening. I actually made a couple bucks off of the GameStop thing. and I saw. Oh, it, you're one of those. But I saw it ramping up and I stupidly got in after the first wave. Like I had a chance to get in, not at the start, but before it really really got crazy and i just didn't really know enough about the stock market to even be able to throw my meager dollars at it so by the time i figured that out it had shut down and there was a multiple phases of it going back up but i was following at one point he was posting every day on reddit and i was glued to that and following all that very closely oh so you're way more invested oh yeah i had seen videos of brian i knew what he looked like all that stuff yeah so have you seen this yet no i i hadn't just because i felt like it's one of those things where almost like i had read the book before seeing the movie i was just afraid that it would be uh, i would give myself douche chills for having said not known too much if that makes sense just so it was so big in my mind so talking looking from the you know thirty thousand foot view do you agree this this is a good movie on the binary scale of good and bad he hasn't seen it i'm talking to you anderson oh no this is uh this is bad in many oh, ways really? <laughs> yeah i think it's actually yeah yeah I think it's so actually it confirmed okay. my fears no, I would I would say good in the binary world of good and bad, 
but it is there's some serious flaws in this movie. Yeah, okay, so the nature of this movie and the way it has to be because it's a it's during COVID and everyone is isolated and everyone's separate, and especially with a huge like uh, worldwide phenomenon going on such as this, that it's covering the people that are affected by it the most at the top. But it also has to show all the little guys and the people that are at the top. Uh, those stories with Dano and Davidson and Vincent D'Onofrio was, you know, he can he just every single role that he's in. He just, you, it's just unbelievable what that guy's capable of doing. I, I, and then set, I will say the casting is inspired. Like I enjoyed Pete Davidson more than Davidson was great. Two dimensional kind of goofball. They normally is. He's, he's he was that at first, but then they kind of fleshed him out yeah. a little bit. But the, the only laughs that the movie got for me anyways, were from Davidson. He was just such a dumbass. Uh, and he made me laugh a few times. Like when when he's reading some of the stuff that is at, at one point, uh, Avery, he's reading uh, Davidson's just on his phone. There's a lot of cutaways where it's showing everyone reacting to the same blog post or YouTube oh, video sure you simultaneously. That. And it a lot of douche chills too. And <laughs> what I what I didn't get to is like the people, the main players at the top, I thought were great. It was some of the stuff, maybe I'm just too old, but some of the the ancillary characters and the, the little guys that were trying to make it was just, it was just so on the nose that's and so annoying. The college students, that I, I, that's they had, I, if it would have just been about him, I think I would have been more in. But just seeing where they were trying to go with it, I just thought this the could cutaways, be a real train wreck. The subplots and how, yeah, it, it just, it really, really frustrated and annoyed me because they had so much good going on on one side of it. And then, like uh, uh, America, she was okay, and the guy from uh, drawing a blank on his goddamn Ramos name, he's very Anthony Ramos. Yeah, Ramos was okay, you know, but the the, the lesbian uh, girls, like they just bugged. They just Why they just the did not bugging? fit. Not because they're lesbians, Avery. That has nothing to do with it. Just they were fucking annoying, and like just. I, the, the earnestness of it all, I just feel like they didn't capture it, uh, yeah. and it just made me uncomfortable. America Ferrara, uh, she, she, her story was good. They were trying to do that thing where, like, they're they're giving representation of the little guys out there who were, you know, doing the right thing by diamond handing it and not just selling out. Uh, and they're trying to beat the big yeah, guy who's David Goliath. And yeah, but. They could have done so many different types of characters, and, the, and you could, you know, you could tell that they tried, but the ones that they came up with were kind of annoying and just. Yeah. I think that's one of the main weaknesses of the movie. Is okay, so outside of a very vague David versus Goliath ethos, like fuck those rich assholes. I didn't find a lot of reason to hate the rich assholes in this movie. Like, yeah, they were rich and they were, you know, they were, they were shorting the stock, which is something rich people do in the stock market. I don't, you know, obviously it's not part of my world, but it's like, yeah, that's just what rich people do. I didn't it's business, man. Hey, it's business. True. I didn't find them to be detestable or douchey. I think enough. what you're picking up on is like Will Forte's character, uh, I mean, I mean, and Will Ford, Nick Offerman's character, Ken Griffin, like everyone hated that guy, even his, but, uh, you know, peers. And they're always like, what a dick and what an asshole. And like, they didn't really show him yes. doing anything other than just being, you know, that stereotypical white guy. They didn't show him treating anyone poorly no, 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 or no. being an asshole, you, you mean, know, or he, talking down to anyone. He might be an asshole in real life. That's completely on the table. But this movie didn't show me that. Like, I don't know. I just saw a guy. Going to a country club and eating. You it know, was lazy. Dinner. It was almost. Yeah, it was like, isn't this enough to hate this guy? Look, he's living the good life and he's white. Yes. Like, can't, he's you can't well hate. Off, it's like, him, give right? me. <laughs> yeah. Like, why was and I honestly to, he wasn't as why, he wasn't why, as annoying as the college girls. Why was I supposed to hate Seth Rogen? That was the nominal antagonist, I guess, of the movie. And uh, like, 
again, he might be he had an a family. Asshole. He, he had might be an kids. asshole in real life, but he was like just a normal dude in this movie. Like, yeah, he had a lot of money, but you're right. He had a family. He had kids. He was kind of sympathetic the way he was like. I losing. didn't. I didn't feel bad for him at all, but I didn't hate him and it take enjoyment out of watching him yeah, go down. Right. I think that was a missed opportunity because they could have easily painted these guys probably more realistically because I'm sure I would imagine these guys are absolute and total silver spoon douchebags that do talk down to people and they actually had a, a few times where Rogan's like being nice to like yes. you know the people that cooked his food and stuff yeah, it's like just help exactly. help me help me hate you're, him a little you're bit right there was a scene with his like private chef where like she serves him food and you're like oh this is where he ignores her or waves her away or you know pushes the food no he's like oh this is fantastic thank you so much and you're like this is a nice guy or at least it's almost irresponsible <laughs> it's almost irresponsible because like the, his only wrongdoing is having money essentially and yeah. Doing, you know, it, it, the practices, while borderline legal, aren't the greatest. It's it's no, still not enough. It's totally legitimate. I mean, but, but it's, it's kind of like it's bending, ugly. It's not like being the don't come line uh, or don't pass bar. Yeah. And, and crap. but with people's like, lives, you're an asshole. With but like, lives. it's a legitimate strategy. It, 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 yeah, it was it was frustrating and annoying that they didn't help the audience, and maybe they don't need to because I do think this was geared and aimed at younger people than you and I, Brian. Yeah, uh, maybe true. more. May, Maybe more Avery, and maybe that's all you need now with the new generation. Is look, these guys have money, and uh, so hate them. All right, let's move on to now. Now you should like these people because they don't have money, and which it's all there, and that's that's easy. I, I can get on board, but just give me some more character flaws. Or I didn't find those two college students particularly like admirable in anything they did. They weren't. I mean, they're they were enjoyable. Other than, they were like, I didn't want to hang out with them. I did not want to hang out with them. No, uh, so. Back to what I was saying, though, with like, the cutaways, like just to give you a taste of what Pete Davidson and I can almost say that Dan, Dano and Davidson Woodley was completely wasted. She, I mean, she served no purpose. She, some of her lines were stiff and robotic, which is it strange could, for her. It, it like she was just any actress in that role. Could have been anyone. Anyway, completely wasted. Wasted. She's so good, and she's normally so good, and they didn't. She just didn't have much to work with. Uh, but everyone, you know, is reading uh, the the Roaring Kitty, Kitty, Kitty Roaring Kitty. Yeah, uh, Roaring Avery? Kitty. Roaring Kitty's post, and it's about like you know these douchebags, uh, the these rich douchebags, and kind of pointing out some of the problems with the system and how these guys you know need need to be taken down a peg, and you know they're so rich and they have this and they have that, and and it cuts to uh, Davidson who's outside in the middle of one of his food uh, delivery orders, and uh, he's taking a break on his bike, reading it, smoking a cigarette, and he's like, "This guy's rad. What's wrong with this guy? Why does everyone hate this guy? <laughs> he's so dumb. He doesn't get it. Kind of like me in the in the uh, audience last night. I'm like, why 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 do I hate these people?" People so much i don't so it was yeah. it was it was the good. most obvious comp i think this movie aspires to is the big short like you're taking a complicated financial thing and making a, a, a dramatic movie out of it and yeah with every i mean it's obviously wants to be that and that's probably why it got green lit right yeah so this this movie just made me think about how brilliant and underappreciated the big short is kind of like how what it was like up for best picture but it was I know, beloved but I, I what are you talking I about sorry what i'm saying is i don't feel like it has the um cultural impact in long term of like oh this uh, is like like for example with every passing biopic we get about a product some pro with the exception of maybe a blackberry which is really good but there have been you know with tetris on and on and on it makes me appreciate the social network that much more because it took a ostensibly boring thing and made it into yeah. like beautiful art. Like, like the, the big short is the social network to this movie's 
uh, you know, Tetris or whatever, you know, I'm really struggling it, for a comp, but you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And it's, it's, it felt a little bit rushed. It felt a little bit, uh, lazy at times. I mean, and it was right. It didn't really resolve until, uh, what spring 2021. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure why they rushed cast this thing. And yeah, I mean, it didn't totally fail. And I, I would imagine some audiences are going to love it. It's just, I, I, I think Brian and I are kind of on the same page as far as like there was more that could have been there quite easily and they just chose not to or didn't have time to. And it's, a, it's a shame when movies are like they have a whole lot going for them, but they they just miss on a few yeah, things. Yeah, it feels very funda- soon. Oh, Avery, if I might. Another fundamental <laughs> flaw with this movie is <laughs> if that, I might. Another fundamental <laughs> flaw is that like, okay, in the big short, they did a really good job of explaining why you should hate, why you should be mad at the system, why you should be rooting for these protagonists. Like, right, that would be there were Wall Street banks that were gaming the system, uh, abusing the system, and there was a lot of like red tape or a lot of tentacles like in that web. And this, like, they didn't do a good job until the very end when they put it on like postscript, like, oh, text or Phone messages or emails, or whatever, revealed between these two, you know, colluding. But I was like, well, no, they oh. had that. They had that one, that one scene with the uh, really clumsy, on the nose exposition where Woodley's character is talking about how her dad worked his way up, and then sure. they short squeezed him, if right? That's and all it's they like, got, yeah, it's yeah, all, it's all right there. I'm, I'm not saying that they don't have an argument and that these guys deserve to have suffered, and I could have more easily enjoyed it. But I think you're, you're right, and what you're saying is that they didn't set it up. Well enough. Yes, I precisely. need to be led to water in the with real certain world, things. I don't doubt that there's plenty of reasons not to like these guys. Yeah. But in the movie, I'm I'm struggling for something. All right. Let's uh but let's leave dumb money movie. alone. It's you know so much of it is like you know when you go you go to a bar and you hear that like that horn do 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 you know that thing? Wah, wah, wah. Yes. Like the this movie it was peppered with moments like that. <laughs> Where it's just like, I can't believe I'm in this bar. And I don't go to bars anymore because there's too much. It's like, ah, oh, fuck me. I, I'm not, I shouldn't be here right now because this is not for me. It's just, I, I know I'm supposed to be react. There's just awkward stuff too. Like like America Ferrara's character is like, she's single and they have like this scene where she's at a gas station and she might be meeting a guy who's also getting yeah, gas. Yeah, where did that go? But then it, it went nowhere. It's just like, what, they're just trying to flesh out this character with things that don't really matter. And I didn't, give a fuck if she got a date with the guy at the gas station or not like it, it didn't matter to me i didn't care and it was like they didn't quite know how to how to make her story relevant to the rest i don't know it was just the robin it, hood it felt guys sloppy were the closest thing to like rich douchebag assholes and even those guys were like soft pedal a little bit right yeah they show the indian guy with a kid and like he actually cares about what you know what's going on a little bit and yeah it's it all it all felt sloppy Incomplete. Three stars. Three stars. Yeah, four for me. Dano, no, Dano was like literally in a different movie because he didn't share scenes with any of the weak parts. That's true. Right? Dano was great though. I, I, I actually enjoyed him. Dano. Yeah, Dano was great. D'Onofrio was great. He was by himself, I think, in every single scene yeah, he was in. He, he was on the phone by himself with his pig, with a pig. And uh, Woodley was wasted. And uh, yeah, and uh, and Davidson was fucking awesome. Davidson was good. <coughs> Yeah. Seth Rogen was right. great playing the straight, you know, the straight guy. Uh comedically, I mean, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed some of the performances for sure, but uh uh wasted a little bit. 
Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Mark and Amy. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra themed content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. All right, we're back. Let's talk about uh, oh, a movie that was assigned to us, Anderson. An assigned yes. film. The, Matt Rixner assigned us the, ass the assistant. assistant. The assistant. Assistant. Yes, right. It was assigned to us uh, by Matt uh, Rixner. Is that is that right? Rixner. That's right. Matt Rixner. A long time assigner. I did. I love talking to Matt. And uh, we caught up uh, about this movie and about other things. And uh, it was uh, Matt's from uh, Sioux City, Iowa. And he always has interesting movies for us to watch, and this is no different. So, uh, always, always nice to catch up with Matt, and thank you very much, Matt. Matt's uh, also a, a contributor to Loaded for Bear, I should say. All right. So, Matt. Matt gives to not only the program, he supports the program as well as uh, my endeavors as well. Appreciate so much you, appreciated. buddy. Uh, all right, Matt. Mickey, Mickey, Mikey, yep. Mikey, and uh, Nikki. He assigned us. Uh, he assigned all us right. a, uh, the remake of Suspiria back in the day, as well as Dark Passage. Uh, a girl walks home alone at night, and now the assistant. My goodness! Uh, completing the five or six pack, I guess. Uh, the assistant <laughs> is a 2020 film written and directed by Kitty Green, starring Julie Garner, uh, and almost a almost a one woman show. Uh, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Successions. Uh, Matthew McFadden makes an appearance as well. I think is he just in the one scene? Yes, he he's in the one scene. There you go. And if I wasn't familiar with his character as Tom in Succession, I think that scene, that's something Matt and I talked about, uh, quite a bit about. I think that scene would have been much more effective. So that was just the more you know kind of ruins things sometimes. Oh, I thought he was really good. 
Um, he was he was very good, but I think you're supposed to think that he's going to do one thing and then be surprised when he does something yeah, else. But I saw it coming because I'm familiar with the type of character, at least he was on Succession, so I could see him you know, being that guy. Ice. Yes, exactly, exactly. 93% but, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, you can stream this, stream this on HBO Max or Max if you're into the whole brevity thing. Uh, Anderson, what uh, thoughts on The Assistant? So I went into this blind, uh, which I tried to do, and I talked to this uh, with Matt as well, and it's really fun when you guys assign us a movie. It's pretty much the only time that Brian and I are uh, afforded the opportunity to go into a movie completely blind, yeah. which I, I can tell you is the way... It's the way the filmmaker and the writers and the producers and everyone who's involved in making a good story and, and telling a good story and, and presenting the movie, they they go into it thinking that way. There's no way to other other way to tell a story or make a movie. They, they, you can't go in thinking, all right, well they've they've already seen this in the trailer because the trailer doesn't exist yet, or they've already seen this on the billboard. They're just thinking like, all right, presenting the story and this is the way it's going to unfold for the viewer who's going to go in blind, which is the way you got to think of it. But that's never the way. It's rarely the way it happens. Um, Mostly, I see movies that are new, uh, or I go out and I, I seek out movies from directors that you know I, I, I'm studying, or, and I'm familiar with the movie. I'm familiar with who's in it. It's only when listeners assign us a movie, and I don't allow myself to look it up before watching it, that I can go in completely blind, which is fantastic, and I love it. Did you know anything uh, about this going into it? How did I, were I you aware didn't. I didn't think I did until 15 minutes in. I'm like, oh, it's this movie. I remember this movie making a lot of noise a couple years ago for a couple weeks and made a whole lot of noise when it was at the in the festival circuit. I think mainly Sundance is where whole lot there's a whole lot of buzz about it because the Harvey Weinstein thing was fairly oh, sure, fresh. Sure. <laughs> and when I say fresh, I mean like you know within a year or so. And now here I'm doing undoing exactly what I'm talking about which is so rare and awesome is to go into a movie completely blind and now we're about to talk about it so anyone who goes on to watch this movie will not be blind however it will still make it it won't take away from it being a very good viewing i think for most people who will take the plunge yeah i would this uh would be a good candidate for uh if we ever updated top five movies the without a plot um this movie has a pretty weak plot but that is that it well weak in terms of not a driving narrative uh, but well, that's not what they were looking to do. Oh, yes, let me finish, please. The movie's really good as well. If acted. I may. Uh, it, it's very observational. The movie's quiet and plotting in a good way. Like it's a plotting. It's plotting. P-L-O-D-D-I-N-G. Like it moves along at a slow pace. M-O-V-E-S. But it's, it's, it's observant, right? <laughs> like it's like uh, it's a movie that picks up on subtleties. I enjoyed this quite a bit. Yes, it's very, very subtle. And we'll get to the plot even though I, what i took umbrage with brian is that you it's a very good movie and you led off your review by saying that its plot was weak or non-existent and it's like that's it's it's like a negative thing about a, sure. a good movie when they didn't you could also say like the action was lacking yes, it's like well it's not an action it's like movie. saying shaq's <laughs> free throw game is weak well he's a great player in a hall of famer he just doesn't shoot. yeah don't leave that's with, not the strong part of his game but I wouldn't even say the lacking plot. I, I think if you were to try and force a plot into this movie and this story, it would actually do it a disservice. Like this is not a movie that needs a plot. That's not the point. The point is this is the life in the uh, a day in the life of an, a lowly assistant who's seen some things that are bothering her and how she tries to rectify those things that are bothering her on a morality level, and how the the, the obstacles that she comes up against I and mean, that's that's the story sure. and i, I sorry i didn't mean to say i realize weak it's mostly non-existent but it's not it's not that movie 
Right, exactly. I'm nitpicking your review, which is you know what I do because I'm a dick. <laughs> but <clears throat> so 15 minutes in, I'm, you might have the same had the same reaction as as I did, where the first 10 15 minutes, I'm like, all right, her life is so bad because she's you know entry level position, and am I supposed to feel bad for her that she has to get up early and pay her dues? It's like, where are we going with this? I thought it was going to be like, I I was annoyed, right? And then as it moved on, I didn't even know what the business was of the office yeah, you don't and i knew a little bit in. but yeah it's a slow slow burn and then you're realizing oh it's it's film business and oh this is and then it clicked i'm like oh this is the one that was kind of written of not kind of but with harvey weinstein in mind and he's so omnipresent and so, they're so the whole entire operation is through this man you never see you just keep hearing him and he and he doesn't do this and there's all sorts of people on different levels there's two different offices uh, across the street from one another i can uh, it's a giant operation and this man who obviously controls everything is just referred to and ultimately this is the female version and i say this in the in the most positive way this is the female version of uh swimming with sharks sure I, is the way I see it, right? And it's it's so subtle, it's so nuanced, and it's more grounded it, too. Like you really believe that like people like this exist. This, this exactly, is probably it's, a common occurrence. It's so effective and ang and upsetting, and uh, you know, it's a movie that I will always think back to. And uh, just recently, uh, Birds of Prey was on in my bedroom, and uh, my wife was watching it. She had never seen it, and she's like, "This is really good." I'm like, "I know." It's a good movie. And then she says, but it doesn't, does it have to be so violent? And I'm like, you know what? It really, it didn't. But I think, I don't even know if I should be saying this out loud, but I, I got the sense that that was kind of like, hey, look, girls can do this just as well as guys can. Yeah. And I, I got that. Like, it was like, yeah, you guys literally have lived in this world for so long. Let's, uh, let's take a dip in this pool. Right. And I remember it was getting kind of roasted for having, bad action sequences which i had no problem with i mean most action movies have some questionable you know punches and whatnot and i i'm not much of an action guy so don't hold me to this and some people might be furious right now and me saying i didn't have a problem with birds of prey having bad action sequences they were fine for me for what action yeah, sequences are but i don't i didn't need it to be that violent but that was kind of like hey look this is this movie made by women for women and we can still do the violent thing that guys uh respond to whereas like the assistant was like okay that's not what we're not trying to imitate a man's movie. We're trying to make a movie from a female's guys, from a female's point of view, guys, not G U I S, right? And yeah, I couldn't help but think of Swimming with Sharks as the man's version of that, which is so over the top with the paper cuts to the tongue yeah, and the you see the boss throughout. Yeah, it's also it's also very good. It's just so different. So it is that whole you know men and women are very very different, and this is absolutely affecting and gut wrenching, and I. It, it went down about as smooth as a movie like this could go down. Like I did, I, I really enjoyed watching this. Yeah, movie. I would describe it as like a sort of quiet and sad companion piece to Barbie. Like it's saying a lot of the same things in a very different way, but you get the same sense that you know this 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 world that this person this protagonist exists in is. Well, there, there, there are hardly any other female characters in this movie, and the ones that were seemed like older versions of our hero, right? Like they had been in her. Yeah, shoes. like they've they've been through it exactly, and they've they've been they've kind of either learned to live with it, or the other ones 
that didn't survive, they, they've moved on. They're no longer there. Yeah. But the ones that the ones that are there, have, kind of have to like hold their nose and go along with it. Yeah, exactly. They're trying blind eye, or they just kind of. I was study. reading some stuff too. What's that? You just talked really fast. Sorry. They said the the ones that are still there have either turned a blind eye or they've just you know they've they've been like that's just how it is. Yeah. Exactly, and I was reading some stuff. I'm realizing that if I look on stuff on my computer, it makes this the uh, <laughs> it makes the the feed not so good since we're doing this remote, which normally normal people can do, and I can do it all day long. But until it's time for the film vault, uh, everything slows way down, which is very very frustrating. Uh, yeah, I and mean, also if you go to IMDb, they just have to like immediately start playing all of the trailers, sure. which takes up bandwidth. And it's like I'm not asking you to play the trailer for me. I just wanted to see a name. There's a pervasive um, feeling of loneliness in the movie. Like the beginning and the end are very similar, uh, indicating kind of a a Groundhog Day situation, and where it's like, yeah, th- this day is like a lot of other days, and tomorrow will be like this. Mm-hmm. Same thing over and over. The monotony of being the uh, lowly assistant, which I don't know. I, I've been an assistant and I didn't love it and I just did everything I could to not be an assistant anymore and I was successful. You don't want to be an assistant for very long because it is mind-numbing work. That is true. And you got to deal with uh, a lot of sycophants. Uh, you see them from the bottom well, up, which is very not, upsetting. Those people aren't bad. Uh, but I should, <laughs> I should say that uh, Julia Garner was uh, fantastic and she and the director of this have teamed up again for another movie that's coming out later this year called The Royal Hotel, which is a movie that I will be watching. Uh, I'm very excited to see the Royal Hotel, directed by Kitty Green, yeah. coming out later this good, uh, good year, trailer. directed by Julie. I mean, uh, starring Julia Garner. Solid. Oh, all right. Um, anything else about? Oh, I was going to say that I, in doing a little research and reading a little bit more about the assistant, there's this uh, odd scene where the uh, the boss's children come into the office, and one of them is acting very strange. I think I, I, I took that as a parent that uh, she was uh, hungry for attention. Uh, somebody somewhere suggested that maybe it, it's suggesting that she, uh, that 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 girl is uh, also being abused and it's uh, part of the uh, the uh, the addiction of the uh, the antagonist and how he might bring his uh, his addiction home to his own family. I, I, which I is very unsettling. That, but, uh, that that's upsetting. The assistant. Very well done. Solid. Uh, Solid. Thank assignment. you. Thank you, Matt. Yes. Yeah, thank you for assigning that. Thank you. Sounds bleak. Available on available on Hulu, right? Uh where did I watch? I watched on Max. No, it's on Max. You're right. You, you already said all that. Okay, cool. Yeah, Avery, get on this immediately. You're gonna love it. As much as dinner in America. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, it's also it is available on Hulu uh as well. Yeah, I thought I watched it on Hulu. Yeah, it's it's very good. I I don't want to I don't I don't want to scare anyone away. This is a it's a slow burn. It's subtle. It's quiet. It's nuanced. No no score. The entire movie is scoreless until the very end, which uh, is you interesting didn't as well. There's, there's you, two you just, people from uh, Succession in this. Yeah, I think there might be three actually. Oh really? Who are the other two? Uh, one is the the mixed race assistant. Kendall's assistant is in this. It looks like. Huh. Kendall, the hero, Brian. Yeah, he's the hero. Yeah, in the story. I, remember, I can't I look. Him. Well. I can't look on IMDb because uh, it'll, it'll slow I'm me on, down. I'm on Google, which is, uh, which is not automatically playing bullshit. So. All right. I want to hear about this uh, docu-series or whatever you're watching. Well, what else you got, Brian? You got Lula or whatever? No, no, no. I, I, uh, I squeezed <coughs> in. I may as well talk about it right now. It'll be brief because you have seen it as has Avery. But I don't like being left out of the club, Anderson. 
So I saw Bottoms. Bottoms! Yes. 2023 film directed by Emma Seligman, uh, director of Shiva Seligman. Baby. Uh, starring Shiva. Rachel Sinat, uh, A.O. Oh, this is a tough one. Edebiri? Edebiri. 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 Ruby Cruz. You can move on. Havana Rose Liu. Kaya Gerber. Nicholas. This tough one, too. Let's say Galazine. And Marshawn Lynch is in this film, as discussed previously on the show. 93% of Rotten Tomatoes is in theaters now. Maybe not for long. Um, Brian, why are you doing the, the full? You don't have to do the full. It's, the full's already been disclosed a couple I weeks ago. I think people the party. Just, let's just get straight to your. I run down a film and, and, and <coughs> boilerplate it like this. Uh, this is, I, I was, I don't think I was quite prepared. First of all, no fault. Well, definitely your fault, but no, not to blame. You guys ever sold it? It's excellent. It's really good. It's funny. I laughed. We said all that. Yeah. Uh, you oversold it a little bit. That said, I don't think I was prepared for We sure. oversold yes. it? I don't think I was prepared for just how absurdist this comedy was like well i mean we led with that it did and and i appreciated and enjoyed not just the satire of high school culture but also the parody of how high school culture is depicted in other films like there's yes, a great i don't think you guys this. alluded to this but there's a great scene where it's a classroom scene and the bell rings it goes on for five or seven minutes and the bell rings again and then one character is like that's it and it's like yeah that's that's the scene uh, you're watching the whole the whole classroom scene uh, and then mm-hmm. of course the uh, football players wear their uniforms their full uniforms pads and all yeah you know what i'm glad i'm glad you brought this up again because it really bothered me later in the week after we uh avery and i uh reviewed this one and you know what that is a parody of i think or, or satire i should say is the cheerleaders at my school anyways did have to wear their cheerleader full outfit in class all day okay. like that like that's they went to school on game days with their entire uniforms on so i think that in the the football players would wear their their jersey sure. but not the entire yeah, they're wearing, thing so they're i wearing pads at all yeah, I think that's what they were doing. It's like, hey, if uh, cheerleaders in real life have to wear the entire uniform in school all day, well, what would that look like if the football players had to do the same? I think that's what the, the thought was there, and it was effective and hilarious. I did appreciate how at the end, on the climactic football game, there's approximately okay. nine, well, let's just say, we talked about approximately that. nine players on each team, no referees, yeah. no anything, mascots. Oh, they don't even they try. Just, they just right. yeah, they just Avery, they're just dispensed with all of that. Like that's not what this movie is. No one's watching this for like realistic depiction. But it felt intentional too of just, well, this is who gives a shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like they feel my filmmakers realize like no one's watching this for fucking accuracy of high school football. Like we're here to like resolve this insane almost plot. like a stage play. I would do yeah. right. They, they'd have to scale it back because, like, why would you need realism on the stage? Yeah, you wouldn't they, need they 50 kind of treated this on each side. You just need a few to represent what we're doing. Yeah, I don't think anything resembled There's, football except for the uniforms and the fact that they were on the field. <laughs> I don't know if they do a single yeah, thing that's football like. I don't think that any of those guys cast uh, could could throw a football. Uh, yeah, I knew we never saw it happen, so I wouldn't know. Uh, that said, <laughs> uh, I, 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 coincidentally, a mitzvah, as, as your people would say, listening to uh, last week's episode of The After Disaster on the way to this screening that I went to, and Tyler, who you were trying to sell on this movie, says it sounds very pen 15, and you're like, What's that? 
And it's, it's it, I, I was thinking the same thing throughout the movie, which is this has oh. very similar DNA to Pen15, which is a funny show uh, that I actually watch. You know, I do watch occasional TV shows, and uh, it's a couple of older, This means your wife watches it. Yeah, but I, I watched it with her. It was really funny. And uh, a couple of 30-something uh, comedians who were just playing high school students because why the fuck not? Who cares? And uh, that's what this was. Like, th- those kids, those those actors, I should say, don't belong in a high school movie, but who cares? Like, there's an absurdist comedy, so just go with it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed so you you didn't like no it. no I enjoyed it very much. You led by saying that we oversold it. So. You oversold it. Still, listener good. said we uh, undersold it. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm going with the listener. Oh, yeah, right in the middle, you guys. The sold listener it uh, who's much smarter than you, Brian, as far as films go, at least. Well, most people are. Uh, you just you, oh, you met us right in the middle. Yeah. See what's happening, and it's, we're going with my local recording because Brian, fuckhead that he is, doesn't have anything that he can record with, even though we have a, a very expensive machine that we record to every single week when I come all the way to him. But if I'm not going to come to him, he can't be bothered to bring it into his house to record locally. So the, the, everyone's going to be hearing the uh, the shitty uh, connection that I have where you'll just drop off, Brian, and then all of a sudden you'll chipmunk it to catch up. Well, I have my, my local recording here so we can fix that. Number two, I... Uh uh, it's against the, my union rules to touch uh, the equipment. I saw a series of one-hour documentaries oh. called, I will give them to you in order. 2007, It was uh, that one is called The Most Hated Family in America. 2011, Louis Theroux goes back to spend more time with the Phelps family. And this one is titled The Most Hated Family in Crisis. And 2019... He goes back a third time. Notice I didn't say a a final time because I'm hoping he goes back again. And this one is called Surviving America's Most Hated Family. So this is a three-part connected miniseries is the way I look at it. Three-hour-long documentary, uh, if you like, uh, shot over the span of at least 12 years, if not more, uh, with gaps in between where Louis Theroux, as I learned his name is actually pronounced, Went and spent time with the West, the uh, Westboro uh, Baptist Church, and their family made up primarily of seventy members or so. They're, they're a church-going uh, people. They are. Uh, they go to their church, which appears to be almost in a basement, and not a whole lot of people show up. And uh, they they hear hate. They hear a whole lot of hate uh, from uh, Fred Phelps, who is the father. They call him Gramps. That's his name. And uh, he's soured um, some children uh, who have had children, and he is now grandpa, and he's been spreading the word. I think you meant sired, but I think soured works. Sired. I'm sick. I'm sick. He also soured soured his kids. He soured Mm -hmm. the, he's trying to sour the nation. And uh, (laughs) Fred Phelps is his name, and it all starts with his message from the top, which is uh, United States of America is uh, condemned by God himself for allowing homosexuals and likes to do what they wish and look at how corrupted America is. So of course, uh, God is smiting and killing all of, uh, soldiers and all of these, uh, horrific things happen. And we're all familiar with the, uh, I would imagine just if you watch yeah. any kind this of news, the clips. God hates fags guy, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I don't know. If we well, I think well, yeah, most yeah, it's, they go, they protest like soldiers, uh, funerals and fall like fallen heroes, uh, funerals are being, shouted down by these uh church uh people the, the, these westboro uh 
Is that what? Yeah, Westboro, Westboro right? Baptist, Church. Baptist Fox, as you would yes. uh, as you would normally say. West, the Baptist Fox, and now Avery Louis have a right to free speech too. <laughs> Louis, who is very very, I think a lot of us are familiar with, or at least in in our little circle, we loved his uh, My Scientology movie, right. which Louis uh, produced and was in, and he he got his start through. Um, What's his name? Uh, the guy who I can't stand. Michael Moore. Michael Thank you. Michael Moore kind of. And he's, he's a very, very similar style. Uh, the documentary style where he's entrenched. He's a part of it. He's on camera. He's doing the interview on camera. There's no hiding behind a camera. He's a part of the story. He's trying to understand the points of view of his subject and all, at times trying to reason with them and change their minds. It's not a detached look at the subjects at all. Uh, however, Louis does not upset me like michael moore does so he's there's something with his doe-eyed he's almost like a soft version of tucker carlson um oh yeah now i remember talking to you about the Avery like last week if it is that that's yes, when it was, yes, but, yes he's like a soft he's like a version of like uh, john oliver like a less fun like a he's funny version i think and I, I don't even know if this was conscious or not but yeah we miss our uh, last week tonight so I think maybe we kind of gravitated to like the, the next big best thing, uh, which was Louis doing his thing. Uh, Justin Thoreau. Is that his name? Justin Thoreau? The actor and writer. The actor? Yes. Yeah, that's his cousin. Oh, no shit. I didn't but know that. They both, they both say their names differently, which is funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Louis Thoreau, what you need to know about him is he's very, very educated. He's very, very bright. And he has... Uh, what appears to be deep empathy. I've only caught him a couple times in all the stuff that I've watched where I'm like, all right, dude, you're kind of pushing a little hard trying to get, you know, your subject to react emotionally, which you see a lot in documentaries of this nature, but he doesn't do it that often. Uh, he did it in one of these, uh, that kind of bothered both my wife and I when, when we were watching, cause he didn't need to push as hard. And he got one of the, uh, West Baptist, um, defectors uh crying about the loss of her family so anyways that's neither here nor there i didn't mean to even bring that up i'm just going off the cuff i'm not reading off my uh my notes here because sure. i don't have many because i was just kind of like mouth uh, a gape so we, most of us are familiar with with these people i always thought it was way more than you know 70 it's a very very tight-knit family as i said very small but they make so much fucking noise right because yes. because of their tactics because of their ways one of their one of their main um members actually went in there to do a documentary on them years and years ago and actually got swayed and became a believer and moved his whole fucking family onto their compound and now he he lives oh, there yeah. so it's it's very cult-like but what i was not anticipating is how open and seemingly friendly they are to anyone who comes around to ask questions which took me by surprise and let it lent itself to a really really open and honest documentary because we get to see these people that he's inside their house they're laughing they're jovial they're they're seemingly well educated and they're just very matter of fact about their beliefs and about the fact that louis and pretty much everyone else is going straight to hell for all eternity but it's just like that's what they believe that's their position in life and that's what gramps has told them since they were young and they feel like they're doing the lord's work by going out there and saying the most hateful vile awful things they reminded me of the mormons that i know which is crazy i know but they're such a tight-knit family uh, in family first and they have seemingly decent family values within you know the confounds of their own house and they think everyone else is the devil now 
obviously as some of them grow up and become educated themselves and more educated and see the world as a bigger place and get outside their bubble, they, they leave. There's a lot of defectors in this family as, as you would hope. However, people seeing this documentary who are not well and who are looking for purpose have also come into the family. So Louis goes back, you know, all these years later, the, the, the second time he goes back and the third time and he meets people who have seen the uh, original documentary who, learned about the family and got a crush on one of their daughters and goes and contacts them and now is married and in the fucking family. So there's a lot of of things to have said about this. Hey, he knew what he wanted and he went out and got it. He went out and got it. Yeah. And, and one of the most fascinating things is, you know, these people are masters of being heckled and yelled at and screamed at. And every time, oh, the most heartbreaking part by far for me is watching they got kids, you know, like fucking eight year olds, seven year olds around. Which there. they touch on and, in um, Won't You Be My Neighbor a little bit at the very end, where they, because they protest Fred Rogers' funeral. And they were saying oh. that one of the things that would have broke Fred's heart the most was that, you know, some of the kids go make sure the kids are okay. I, I I was crying at one point. I don't remember which one it was. It might have been the first one uh, in in the most hated family in America, where like a little somebody drives by and, and throws like a like a uh, fast food drink uh, at them and it hits a kid and one of the little kids in the head and he's crying. He doesn't know what you know. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. It's so goddamn sad. But the daughters in particular are just so like normal seeming and open and talking to Louie and, and just it's and you know he's prying and asking about their love love life and sexual desires and they get kind of like you know like uh embarrassed and like i'm not going to talk to you about that louis i know i know you're trying sheepish yeah they're just because you think of them as such horrible hateful vile people and they are it's yeah but it's 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 insane and what i was saying is one of the most interesting things is they are so good at being heckled and you see it time and time again throughout all three of the the episodes uh, are are people coming up and it's uh, you know especially loud mouse like I could see myself doing this if I saw them out in nature right especially if I had a couple of drinks in me I'd want to go attack them right and it's, and it's kind of like they're just open season right like no one's going to get mad at you no one in society is going to get mad at you for going up to this horrible group of people standing across from a funeral holding these these vile signs and uh, yelling at them like if I go up and start yelling fuck you guys you guys are fucking assholes what are you guys doing no one in the streets going to be mad at you. everyone's going to be on my side so they're open targets constantly for that kind of uh, abuse right rightfully so, so. the subject of but violence do they get into that ever they didn't really see, you don't really see any of that um I get which I was and and it's funny you say that Avery because I and this might be you know there's going to be people that will respond the same way that I did but just because I I'm damaged right but it was there was something I don't even want to say therapeutic it was just fascinating watching Louis and some of the members have these very very heated discussions but violence never came into it and like I could I, I'm watching it and my fists are getting I'm ready to swing and I'm thinking one of them is going to swing but that's not the way that they're having they're having adult conversations that are very charged, but violence never comes into it. But what I was saying, as far as they're like the masters of being heckled, like time and time again, you see people come up off the street and start yelling at them. And they just get every person that comes up and yells at them gets kind of ruined quickly because they come back at them very calmly and matter of factly and just tell them, you know, that's what you believe. And you're just going to go burn it out. They never get mad. 
They never get mad on the street when these people come up and start yelling obscenities and screaming at them and sometimes throwing things at them. Um, but it it is just a it's a it, the whole series is a masterclass at you know how people get ideologies and how people get completely brain fucked and uh, ideologies go you know radicalized and it, it all comes from the top and you know your politics are usually the way you're raised and there's no difference with these guys it's just they were raised with such extreme political and religious views and that's just their world for the ones that haven't defected yet wow. and, and there's a series that there's three in the series yeah there's three that we watched uh you can watch watch them back to back to back i mean it is like the gods the godfather of documentaries this is one of the most impressive pieces of uh documentation i've seen in a long time and I, it's i'm i'm kind of pissed that it has not been brought to my attention i knew of louis Theroux, but he's not big over here at all. He's giant, I guess, over in, in the UK. But the fact that no one has said, you got to see this. Maybe they have. I get a lot of recommendations. But yeah, the first one, 2007, The Most Hated Family in America. 2011, he goes back, and it's called The Most Hated Family in Crisis. And then uh, most recently is 2019, Surviving America's Most Hated Family. And it is oh boy, riveting. Riveting. So that's what I have to offer the... Uh, the people yeah, that listen to the film. Right the, this is going to be streamed on HBO, set or what? Uh, B- BBC, oh. the BBC oh. app on your smart television. It's uh, free for a week or four, I think it's $4.99 uh, a month, which is what uh, what Jillian and I are doing because there's a whole lot of good stuff on there. And especially, you know, during the strike, we're going to get into, you know, what's coming up um, for the, the, the fall preview here um, in a minute uh, that'll be released later in the week. And... Brian, you do the research. There's a, a lot of shit coming out that's not normal fall, winter, fair. Indeed, right? yeah. I, uh, the, the five that made my list, I would say, are fairly fallish. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot coming. I, I mean, there's I have a list of 10, and there are 10 movies that I'm very, very excited to see. Uh, but there's a chasm. There's a big gap. It's either like total oscar Beatty, like you know big studio movies which i feel weird about pumping up uh at this moment but what are you gonna do uh and then there's just absolute trash b movies that have been sitting on the shelf for probably three years and you know didn't even get festival plays but they're getting theatrical releases because uh so many movies have been pushed so all right looking forward to all that but yeah what, what i'm saying what i'm saying is like this is a, a good little uh a filler for you know when we don't have as much entertainment in the theaters right now okay uh, I think that the most hated family in America is worth your time. Look it up, why don't you? Uh, thank you, Matt Rexner, for uh, assigning us uh, the assistant. I enjoyed that very much. That's the energy. Now, there's no music. That's, not, that's what I'm not hearing. Anything. Matt Rexner, our assigner. If you want to be an assigner, head on over to our Patreon. That's paid. No, it's all sold out right now. Oh. You can't be an assigner right now. You can be a decider and you can decide a topic for us, but uh, you can't. You can also be a ten dollar a month uh, uh, watch along. We'll be watching *Malignant* later this month, uh, which will be fun because Brian has not seen it, and I have, and I know what Brian's about to to enjoy. I don't think you should uh, uh, cut that off. I feel like we should keep it open. It's not cut. It's not cut off. It's just capped, so that we're not going to get more movies than we can watch in a year, Brian. Which is what happened because too many people signed up for it, so uh, we were falling way behind. All right. Uh, so. What well, what's the next for us, by the way? Uh, we will be watching Cure. Thanks to TJ. Oh, is that a music, is TJ that a music Tut. Doc? <laughs> no, it's Korean. No, it's a Japanese film, and it's called Cure. And we'll be watching that. And then I'm also going to assign you uh, Ryan Regimball's next uh, assignment, which is a little bit clever. 
He's just having us watch Metalocal Metalocalypse episodes one and two. So we'll be watching Metalocalypse episodes one and two for Ryan Regenball, and then uh, we'll be watching Cure for TJ. TJ Tut, yeah, because we got to catch up, Brian, because of what I just told you, and you want us to go back to that? I don't think so. Let's do more. I don't think so. This is a Japanese series, the, <laughs> the 97 Cure. Yes. Okay. On the Criterion Channel, thank God. Thank yes. God. All right, cool. Excellent. Thank you for those assignments. Looking forward to those. You know what's funny is when I was talking to Chris Terry last week, uh, he had us watch The Wailing. Uh, the Korean film, the Korean horror film, which I think uh, horror fans would absolutely love, The Wailing. They'd probably appreciate it a whole lot more than you and I did because we're not horror uh, true, folks. True. But in talking to Chris Terry, he uh, cited another another movie that he found parallels uh, to The Wailing with, and that's a movie called Cure. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're about to watch that one. So right. look at that. Know. Well, that'll be next on the list. Thank you uh, to uh, Matt Rexner for this week's assignment. Thank you to Roundhouse, I'm guessing, uh, is how you uh, pronounce that. Over there, uh, they're our feature artist. Check them out, andersonandbrian.com. Thanks, Roundhouse. Andersonandbrian.com is where you go for the Amazon link. Appreciate you using that. Anderson and Brian on Instagram. Anderson and Brian on TikTok. The Film Vault on Twitter and Facebook. The Film Vault Podcast over on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, thanks, Eric Kath, for keeping that going. No YouTube this week. Anderson's sick. But we'll be back next week. Thanks, Mike Cole. Thanks, Mitch Burns. And thanks, Giovanni. Appreciate all you guys for helping the show. Big fall preview next week. And until then, we do it for Van Gogh. For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories that when sewn together form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood. Available now wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey gang, it's Josh Olson. And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites and they don't talk so much about their own work but about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call out the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alison Anders, Elijah Wood, Stephen Canals, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Deschanel, Joe Biafra, Larry Fessenden, Nicole Hawson, Shaka King, Lee Daniels, Rosalind Chow, Clancy Brown, Yardley Smith, Ike Barron, Steve Arkett, Thomas Wilson, and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. 